Hello, everyone. Welcome to American Families of Faith excerpts, where David Dollahite and Lauren Marks briefly focus on the nexus of faith and family life with a particular question or topic. We now share with you a little bit about what we learned from Asian Christian families. Recent survey data indicate that 42% of Asian American families have Christian ties. And for many of these families, like the families that we interviewed, their Christian beliefs, practices, and communities, which they often call their church families, lie at the heart of personal marital and family life. A couple of unique features of our sample, the 24 families that we interviewed in depth, were that these families were all immigrants to the United States from mainland China, Japan, Korea, or Taiwan, and that these individuals that we interviewed were all adult converts to Christianity. Some converted to Christianity in their native land and then immigrated to the U.S. Some converted to Christianity after their immigration to the U.S., but all were adult converts to the faith. Accordingly, one admirable feature of the Asian Christian families and their community that elicited some holy envy from us was their courage to embrace change. These families and individuals had literally crossed the globe and entered a new sociocultural world in search of their own vision and version of the better life. Most of these women and men sought advanced education and or employment that was rooted in a second or even a third language. I really admire that courage given my own failure to try to master even a second language. Further, of these participant interviews that we conducted with individuals and families who converted to Christianity, many made profound and often uncomfortable changes as they adopted a new worldview, a new way of life. And the costs were, and in some cases continue to be, substantial. Having embraced their Christianity, however, these families have vigorously held to what they professed to hold dear. In visiting with these families, the sincerity of their conversions and their convictions was unquestionable and deep. No other Christian group we interviewed directly cited the Bible with more precision and accuracy, which is all the more impressive since they were quoting typically in a second or third language. Another strength of pragmatic collectivism, as we've called it, was manifest by church members literally in some cases meeting newly immigrating families at the docks of the Pacific or Atlantic Ocean and making extensive efforts to help these new immigrant families to culturally, religiously, and economically adapt to life in a new land. In spite of their high levels of education and learning, there was a sweetness, a sincerity, a humility among these Asian Christian families that impressed us and even moved us. And that humility included often a gratitude to be living on American soil. To contextualize that a little bit historically, we would like our readers to realize that in 1989, nearly half of the individuals that we interviewed were still living in China during the tragic massacre of the June 4th incident at Tiananmen Square. And when we contemplate that, we're reminded of the precious nature of religious and political liberty that these Asian Christian immigrants 
who the United States embody and that they deeply appreciate. One Asian Christian family that I will never forget, I will call the Choi family. They had originally immigrated to San Diego from Korea. In neither case did either of their parents convert to Christianity, and there was significant pain. Neither had other Christian members in their extended family, and it was a deeply difficult conversion for them in that sense. Upon moving to San Diego, they were stepping into a new world. The Korean Christian church in the San Diego area really welcomed the Choi family, embraced them, and the mother in the Choi family made this a mission of hers. It had meant so much to her to be welcomed into this new world of American culture by other Korean Christians that she wanted to give that gift and pay it forward, so to speak, and made a conscious effort whenever she learned of a new family immigrating to meet them at the dock there in San Diego with her minivan and to serve them dinner their very first Sunday there. At the time that I interviewed them, they had moved from San Diego to the East Coast, very fast-paced lifestyle on the I-95 corridor. The interview was beautiful. They invited me. I stepped into their home, removed shoes, as is tradition in most Asian homes, and they surprised me with a wonderful, authentic Korean meal which we ate on wicker or tommy mats uh, sitting cross-legged on the floor. It was delightful. They were hospitable and kind. Throughout the course of the interview, there was a sadness in the mother that I picked up on. And as time went on, it was revealed that the move to the East Coast had been very difficult for her. And as I probed and questioned a little deeper in the interview, she expressed her sorrow that no one in their East Coast setting seemed to need her, that she deeply missed her Friday night Bible studies, which she hosted, and her Sunday meals, which she also hosted. Her husband indicated that she spent great time and money on both of these activities in San Diego as well as being the self-appointed docs welcoming committee. And she said to me, I'm not as happy here. No one needs me here. In San Diego, they needed me. And I was struck by this sense of collectivism. For many of us in Western culture, the less others rely on us or need us, the better, the less inconvenience it is. But I was moved by the example of this lovely Korean mother and wife who found joy and meaning in serving others. And that was something that instilled a sense of holy envy in me to want to do likewise. We hope you'll join us on our full podcast called American Families of Faith. 